Hi, and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast focused on the economics and technology of Bitcoin. This is episode 56, and today my guests are Max Caden and Roman Snitko, CEO and CTO of HODL HODL, a peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange. And they are also the organizers of Baltic Honey Badger, one of the best-known Bitcoin conferences. Here's the interview. Max and Roman, welcome to the show. I've been quite impressed with some of the stuff you guys are doing with HODL HODL. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for having us, Stefan. All right. So, guys, let's start with a little bit of background on each of you and why you guys started Huddle Huddle. Roma, you should you should you should <laughs> okay. you should say that story. He's he's a good storyteller. Yeah, we always do it this way. He, he says Roma, and I do it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, it goes back to I think 2016 or 15. We worked together uh, at a Bitcoin company, and uh, then um, we were back then we were using local Bitcoins, both of us, and. Um, there were a lot of issues with local bitcoins. The first time I tried it, I was I almost got scammed. Um, and then when I met Max, he asked me to explain how to use it, and it was like pretty complicated. And um, it was about the time when you know I uh, I was looking into multi-sig uh, and trying to come up with a better solution for storing bitcoins, and we realized we can actually build a uh, a better exchange that doesn't uh, hold the bitcoins uh, and still allows people to trade um, effectively. And uh, essentially, we quit the company and started working, uh, two of us, on HODL uh, HODL. And one of our assumptions was obviously that uh, this exchange would have an edge over everybody else because every other exchange, because it doesn't hold the bitcoins. Um, but also we realized that uh, local Bitcoins, sooner or later, they're going to start, start implementing KYC ML policies, uh, which they did. Um, and um, also there was a chance that because they're holding Bitcoins, um, you know, sooner or later they're going to be hacked, which they were. Um, and uh, we just wanted to build a more secure um uh, and easier to use exchange that is also focused on privacy, but at the same time is not as complicated as completely decentralized exchanges such as BISC. So I think that's uh, that's the backstory of HODL HODL. Sure, and actually tell us a little bit about your backgrounds as well. So I uh, got into Bitcoin in 2012, and by got into Bitcoin, I mean I started gradually learning about Bitcoin projects um, out there about, about the technology, um, and uh, eventually I um, worked on a project that was very similar to BTC Pay. It was called uh, Straight because it was a payment gateway. And the reason it was called Straight is because Bitcoins went straight into the merchant's wallet, bypassing the central server. I think BTC Pay, as far as I can tell, works the same way. But of course, like I didn't have enough resources and it was just one man show essentially. Um, so just to give you an example, those are the kinds of projects that I worked on. And then um, I went to work for uh, Mycelium for a little while. And this is how I met Max. And then we quit and started our own thing. Excellent. And Max, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background as well? Um, yeah, it's a pretty interesting story as well. I was a banker, actually, for 10 years. <laughs> so 
um, joined the rebellion, basically. Um, I was a banker for 10 years and uh, in 2013, one of my clients, he actually introduced me uh, to Bitcoin during, during one of the meetings. And um, he mentioned that um, he showed me how it how how it worked, um, saying that uh, you can transfer like ten thousand dollars from Russia to Brazil uh, in in less than one hour, less than five cents, and no middleman. You don't need to like go and open the bank account and etc. etc. and um, I thought the guy was crazy, uh, but I, I actually started uh, to research the topic. And um, in 2015, two years later, um, I started like researching, started a little bit buying of, of uh, and playing with with technology around. Uh, but in 2015, I, I understood that uh, there will be no need. Uh, uh, no need in banks in the future because well the, the technology works and it's, and it's amazing how it works and um, and the same client actually at that point <laughs> invited me to join his project um, so I went from the bank uh, to join the Bitcoin company and that's how I met Roman so and that's how we started um, like a few months later, we, we, we started working on HODL um, HODL. So yeah, that, that's my story. Fantastic. All right. Well, look, I think one of the key things that listeners will be interested to know is why is HODL HODL different, right? And I think some of the key areas there are just that it's peer-to-peer, there's no KYC. Can you touch on some of the challenges around uh, doing that, but also why that's a benefit for your customers? I think the, the, the Roma, uh, yeah, the, the, the main difference, uh, um, like from other exchanges, as I say, we are somewhere in between uh, local bitcoins and BISC. In that case, that um, as BISC, we use multi signature technology, so we don't hold any funds. So basically, each time you may make a trade, we create a unique uh, multi-seq escrow account uh, on a public blockchain, in that case, Bitcoin. We also have Litecoin, but we prefer the, the Bitcoin. And um, we open the, the escrow account and that's how all the trades happening because um, like, in, if you trade through local Bitcoins or through Paxful, something like that, then uh, everything is stored in their wallets. So the, the escrow technology that they offer is in their wallets. Basically, you trade within the wallets. So that's the security-wise, that's the number one thing. Um, another thing, uh, we are really, really uh, crazy about UX and UI. Uh, as Roma mentioned, during our first um, experience with local Bitcoins, both of us were a bit struggling with that. Um, and I think, um, well, the third thing, which is not so important, but overall, we are uh, way more cheaper than, than, than our alternatives. So maybe Roma can add something. Yeah, so the commission is lower for sure than local Bitcoins or Paxful, albeit higher than um, centralized exchanges such as Bitstamp, but that's just a natural thing to 
have on peer to peer exchanges. I mean, their commission is higher. Um, but yeah, there the the main advantage I think is that we don't hold the bitcoins, we don't do KYC ML, um, and you know, not holding bitcoins is actually part of the reason why we don't do that. So sure. Yeah, the, those are the things. And uh, of course, right now, the um, the other project predictions is coming. I'm sure we're going to have a chance to discuss that a little bit later. Um, and I mean, it's pretty unique, in my opinion. Yeah, fascinating. And I think maybe for the listeners, they might like to hear a little bit more about some of the technical challenges that you have faced in terms of implementing a multi-signature decentralized exchange. Can you talk to those? challenges a little bit sure the multi-sig libraries that we have uh, there are two parts to them uh, the back-end part and the front-end part written in javascript and those libraries are actually pretty small so the the multi-sig technology in bitcoin it, it's nothing new it's been around for a while we just implemented um, those libraries but the code that surrounds them you know this um, the user interface, the the backhand, uh, all, all sorts of you know um, security issues that we need to take care of. That's the um, that's a lot of work. And uh, I, I think when people, uh, I mean, I, I've heard some people on podcasts discussing us and saying, "Oh, but." You know what is called HODL? It's just you know a multi-sig. This technology has been around for a while. Oh yeah, sure. But you know, try creating a peer-to-peer exchange uh, using this technology with all the bells and whistles, and it's actually a lot of work. Uh, it's actually a lot of issues that you only discover when you start working on them. When you when you face your users uh, and see them having issues while they trade with other people. Uh, because you need to take care of reputation. Um, you need to take care of uh, all the various scams that can emerge when people trade on a peer-to-peer exchange. You have to be aware of them. You have to effectively um, solve disputes. Um, so yeah, there's like a million problems that centralized exchanges where like day traders trade, they never even see them and they never even face those problems. And we do. Sure. So uh, can you talk to perhaps some of the ways that listeners should watch out to maybe just some tips for them to help avoid scams when they are buying um, or selling uh, Bitcoin on HODL HODL? I think in general, uh, yeah, I think in general, it's uh, we have a limit so-called so that we, we have some, we, we, we did we are caring about the people who are not familiar with traders. So we made some um, limits on your first trade. So basically never trade with uh, riskier payment methods. Um, we, have a, we have a table of available payment methods with uh, the risk volumes, for example. There are some r- risky payment methods like PayPal, where um, you can easily return the payment uh, so choose a payment method properly, then uh, choose a counterparty properly. N- never trade on large volumes or on large amounts with people you are not familiar with, with traders that don't have any significant reputation, something like that. And um, well, basically that's it. Um, so choose your counterparty and choose a proper payment method and then just follow the instructions that are there. So these are 
I think these are main uh, main two things to, to to look out to avoid being being scammed on any peer to peer uh, platform, not only the the hodl hodl. And can you touch on just the concept around education of tr- new traders uh, in terms of Bitcoin, and actually just talk a little bit around the typical user with hodl hodl. Are they typically first timers to Bitcoin, or are they normally more experienced Bitcoiners? I think they're mostly uh, more or less experienced. I mean, some of them come from local Bitcoins um, because they see value in HODL HODL um, and they see how it actually, I mean, the commission is lower. <laughs> That's part of the reason they, they come to HODL HODL as well. But I should say, and we, we constantly talk to those traders um, privately, right? Like on Telegram channels, educating them and all of that. And it's it's interesting that some of them don't actually realize that we don't hold the bitcoins and we have to you know explain to them and 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 it's it's weird um i think that's just the state of um crypto trading these days it's a lot of people trade cryptocurrencies a lot of people trade bitcoin but they don't really understand the fundamentals and uh, what we're trying to do we have um, sections on the website. Um, one, one section is called screencasts. Essentially, we um, have a lot of a lot of educational screencasts, not just about our exchange, but they also explain how to um, how to install Electrum Wallet, how to use multi-sig with Electrum Wallet, things like that. You know, um, really, really helpful to people. To, you know, for people to learn those things, and and then they can move on to using our exchange. Um, and we also have a section called Bitcoin Quiz, where you just go through um, a number of questions about Bitcoin, and uh, you don't have to read long articles uh, about every boring detail, but rather just you know play a little bit with the quiz and um, click a couple of buttons and see whether you're right or wrong. And then if you're wrong, it, it, it explains to you why you're wrong and what is the correct answer and why is it the correct answer. So I think we're, we're just trying not, we're not just trying to, uh, to create an exchange and, and earn money from commission, but also educate people. That's really, really important. That's an excellent approach to take. I think it is, it is, even though we are 10 years into Bitcoin, it's, it is still early days. I think another topic listeners might be interested to hear about is just around the trends on the volumes that you are seeing at HODL HODL. Max, can you yeah, comment on that? Well, um, of course, the volumes are increasing because, you know, we started uh, precisely 23rd of February uh, 2018 when we launched uh, trading on HODL HODL. So, of course, um, t- during this year, uh, the volumes increased because from the beginning we had zero volumes. And um I think the the interesting thing in terms of trends is to 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 see how the regions are distributed in terms of traders uh, on our platform and on another platform. So, the most active uh, region at the moment in Hodl Hodl is Russia. Um, then we have uh, quite active and quite solid uh, presence in Latin America. And of course, Europe uh, also is is uh, doing some trades on on Hodl Hodl. 
the interesting thing, and I think Roma can touch about this, about the trends that uh, recently, not recently, but few months ago, we've closed U.S. market for for uh, for hodl hodl. So basically, if you're U.S. citizen, uh, you won't be able to use hodl hodl. Um, we did that on purpose uh, due to some security reasons. Um, but the U.S. market was never active in terms of uh, in terms of peer to peer trading, at least on 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 hodl hodl. Uh, so these are these are the main trends that we we, we saw the shift uh, when we launched Hodl Hodl. Most of the uh, most of the trades was uh, Europe, and now it's more emerging markets. And uh, we actually had some trades from Australia as well. <laughs> so um, and we are trying now to approach uh, Asian market, of course, and because it's huge and big, and we're also looking to Africa as well because it's also emerging market and people are interesting enough people are using uh, cryptocurrency there as well uh, and and they're they're quite active in that in that field to be honest so yeah but maybe roma can speak more about why we closed u.s market it's 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 interesting story well yeah apart from like regulatory burden um i think the market is just saturated right uh, if people want to buy Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoins in, in the U.S., uh, there's so many different options. And yeah, you got to go through KYC and ML there, but that's just the reality of things. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just not interested, I, I would say that. We're just not interested in the U.S. market because we realize there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of good, uh, great companies operating on it and... Uh, People are familiar with them, so I mean, why bother? And also to to add uh, to to the trends that uh, we saw during the past year, the average volume of single trade actually increased because um, we know that some of the traders they use hodl hodl due to security reasons, due to safe and secure escrow, non custodial escrow that 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 we have. They use us to trade larger volumes uh, than on on centralized exchanges or on exchanges that don't have this non-custodial approach. So the average volume for each single trade is actually increased. And um, in terms of payment methods, I think still the most popular payment methods is usually the banks. So um, pe- people do that. We we introduced like a few months ago. We also introduced. Uh, um, like cryptocurrency as a payment method, so now using Hodl Hodl, you can you can uh, pay for your Bitcoin with um, basically any any cryptocurrency available out there. Uh, so you can use Monero, you can use Ethereum, whatever. And uh, these payment methods are also increasing uh, in the last couple of months. So these and it's are... not like we're trying to, to capitalize on shit coins. I mean, I'm not a big fan of those. Yeah. Uh, but... People, people, people sometimes want to buy and sell those. Um, that's understandable. So it, it wasn't a lot of uh, work for us to add them as a payment method. They're not integrated into the exchange natively. Right. So we, we don't, um, we don't track Ethereum blockchain or Monero or anything. Just, um, they're just payment methods, just like any other. Um, so we, we added them, we've seen a couple of trades with them. Okay. That's fine. Got it. Yeah. So I suppose then it's just on the 
customer who is accepting the payment to do their own verification in that case rather than sort of trusting the exchange to verify for them or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. and in case of a dispute, uh, it's pretty easy for us to to verify whether there was a transaction that was made on Ethereum, let's say, right? I mean, because it's a public blockchain. Um, so we don't see a lot of um, issues with that. You guys also recently launched this prediction market. Can you talk to we that? Did, we didn't launch it, actually. We just announced it. So <laughs> we yeah. will launch it uh, in in couple of in couple months. Uh, but yeah, we announced the predictions. And um, in that case, I need to say that Roma should speak uh, about predictions because it's his idea and it's his child. So he knows better in that case. Well, let's just say it was a soft launch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, but we're pretty confident that, I mean, uh, there's a lot of work uh, already that has been done on predictions and uh, it's definitely coming and definitely see a lot of interest because uh, if, you, if you look at crypto Twitter, there's always people there who say, hey, I, I, I want to, um, um, to bet you one Bitcoin that, you know, the price of Bitcoin is going to be above like 5,000. But I, I want to point out, predictions are not betting, to be honest. It's not gambling. Um, and in the blog post that we, um, that we released, uh, we explained why. I'm just going to you know, touch briefly on that. Uh, betting or gambling, uh, you know, it has those interesting characteristics, such as um, it's, it's instant gratification. You know, you throw dice. You either win or lose, or you go with like a ridiculous margin uh, on BitMEX, and you also lose or win pretty instantly. And then you know there's an addiction part to it. There's um, um, there's randomness to it as well, and we just don't want to touch it at all. What we want to do, we want to build a financial uh, instrument that people can actually employ to um, to hedge their risks. Um, and uh, or, or you know, come up with other use cases for it, uh, but it's definitely not gambling. So th- the w- the way it would work is you um, you create an offer, and you say, I believe that the price of Bitcoin is going to be above five thousand dollars on Bitstamp by May first, um, twelve p.m. For example, right? So you're uh, your condition is pretty unambiguous. So you create this offer and uh, this, is, this other person uh, sees it on the website and um, decides to create a contract with you based on this offer. And so he also, um, well, he creates the, the contract, you see that, and you both lock the Bitcoins. And um, by uh, May 1st, you check the uh, condition and one of you... Uh, one of you uh, gets two bitcoins, uh, and the other one loses his one bitcoin. So that's the most the, the simplest case of how predictions can be used. Uh, but of course, you can um, your condition can be pretty much anything that's not uh, illegal or ambiguous. Okay, great. And then, does Hodlhole have to go and help verify the claim? Uh, in most cases, we believe that we wouldn't have to do that because the there's no incentive for any of the party, especially for the losing party, to not release the Bitcoins in favor of the winning party. And 
The reason for that is because the the winning party would never sign the uh, the refund transaction to the losing party, right? So the 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 worst case, the bitcoins are going to stay locked in escrow. Now, in that case, whole huddle would interfere because we would use two out of three multi-sig and we would still hold this other key. Um, and so we would go and look for um, uh, for the condition and then, you know, sign that transaction. Um, but I expect the people would be pretty compliant because they wouldn't want to lose their reputation because they still want to continue trading on uh, on the exchange and on uh, the predictions project. Um, so I, I don't see a lot of issues with that, especially uh, if uh, the conditions are unambiguous. And that's one thing that we're going to do. We're, we're going to moderate the offers before they even appear in the um, on the exchange and make sure that nothing illegal is in the conditions and that conditions are unambiguous. So the other thing is people talk about with prediction markets is this whole idea of, oh, these decentralized, this, that, and the other. I think by using a more centralized approach, it's perhaps a bit more of a long-term sustainable one. Um, and I think the other concern people had with some of the other approaches that have been done in the past, they might be that, you know, there's not really much volume, so to speak. Well, so first of all, I, I completely agree with you that a decentralized decentralized approach that Algor uses, for example, um, may not be the ideal solution in that case. Uh, we believe that our solution where we are as an exchange are centralized, but um, we're also non-custodial is uh, is a good uh, is a good one, and uh, yeah, th- that's just uh, that's just how it is. I think uh, we're non-custodial and uh, centralized, and that allows us to be effective but also secure. Yeah, another point I like about it is that you are leveraging people's reputation. So they may have built up a reputation on a certain name under under on the Hoddle Hoddle Exchange, and that that is the reputation that they then put at stake when they try to you know enter into some kind of prediction bet yeah yeah of course there's going to be a reputation um and uh, uh if you want to trade with someone you you rely on on that as well um but I, I want to come back briefly to the point that you made about the volume that um i i do see some people complain uh, about volumes and hodl hodl in particular countries for example they they you know go to um, go to Zimbabwe on the website and like, oh, there are no offers. Well, create one. It's not like it's a um, centralized day trading exchange, right? You you don't need your order book filled before you can start uh, before you create an offer. And it's the same with the same thing with predictions. You just create an offer, and uh, you know it's there. Now you just get to wait a little bit for someone to notice it uh, and create a contract based on that offer. So I don't think. For peer-to-peer exchanges, volume uh, or lack thereof is is uh, is a chicken and egg problem. It's not. You just go there and you create an offer. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. I think many users are naturally lazy. So they go somewhere and they kind of expect there to be volume there already. And to some extent, maybe uh, current uh, exchanges use market makers to kind of have somebody they're make you know putting a bit of that volume just to kind of make it make it flow more easily 
Um, so perhaps that's a bit of a learning journey and a bit of a UI UX question as well on how to guide the pus- the customer down that pathway such that they are then guided into, if there is no offer, to create one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and also, you guys recently had your one-year anniversary. Tell us a little bit about that, Max. Uh, well, we didn't celebrate it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, because we our team is, uh, we don't have any office or premises where everyone, you know, all gathers and, and we work remotely. We used to that. Uh, we're basically distributed um, globally, so um, there was nothing special about that. We, uh, our like, I think the part of our birthday celebration was that we announced um, prediction markets. Um, I think the best way to celebrate your own uh, birthday, in terms of um, for foreign uh, Bitcoin company, is to announce another product that you just uh, you know you're you're developing and, and doing something and building so um yeah so about, about the birthday really like <laughs> nothing special i i had a glass of wine so <laughs> something like that so <laughs> um we, we we actually have a lot of work to do uh like like extremely a lot of work to do because we have predictions coming in. We have also a project called House Huddle, which is buying and selling real estate using the same smart escrow, smart contract functionality that we have at the moment in Huddle Huddle. Uh, we have a um, Honey Badger conference that we announced a few weeks ago. And um, a lot, a lot of things. We're also traveling quite a lot, uh, speaking on different conferences. We've been invited to, to do a workshops. And, and so um in terms of you know celebrating or 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 having a team together we're we're not that type of company we prefer building stuff and not like making an announcement of announcements and announcements that we will do something or writing blog posts each time so no. <laughs> uh we we just we will build stuff you know we will do that great yeah and uh, Max, I think another area that might be good to get further comments from you is just for those listeners who are more privacy conscious and they want to buy Bitcoin and do it in a way that helps preserve their uh, help preserve their privacy. Can you comment a little on how other exchanges may, when they start, they may sort of develop in ways that creep the AML forward, whereas that might contrast with hot yeah, so we don't do KYC ML as Roma mentioned. Um, well, you can, you can pass uh, the the KYC ML to increase some some limits on Huddle Huddle if you want, but in general we don't do that um, because uh, we don't hold any funds, so we don't process. We're not acting as a third party who process uh, like crypto or fiat or something like that. Uh, while on other exchanges, you need to like go through the verification process. So there's a two, two things uh, that, that usually concerns people and that actually concerns me. So first of all, you, you, you do disclose your personal data, which is, um, in my humble opinion, not so good because you don't know how it's stored, because you don't know how it's... And recently, the, 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 there has been a um, few cases when uh, there was uh, like 
security breaches where, where the data was stolen. Uh, not Bitcoins in particular, but data. And the, the second thing is um, if you pass the verification, it usually takes time. So the onboarding process is, uh, becomes uh, difficult. And uh, like uh, what, we, what we saw during the bull market in the end of 2017, in the beginning of 2018, where biggest, big centralized exchanges are struggling were struggling by onboarding new clients and uh, replying to old clients because uh, just the inflow of people was crazy and they were they were unable to process everyone. So that's I think that's two main things. Yeah, that's a good point as well that you don't have to take on the same level of cost that some of the other exchanges do because they're spending all this time and resource on AML compliance, whereas in some other ways, you can spend your time building more products that your customers will enjoy. Yeah, that's that's our competitive advantage, at least for a moment. <laughs> you know, uh, you never know what uh, what the government or other other involved parties will will think about and will create about. So, another thing, Max, that might be interesting to comment on, and I think you were just touching on that there, is how we don't know what the government can do and it can sort of creep forward, right? There can be other Bitcoin uh, and other, well, multi-coin companies, let's say, who start out a certain way, but then they now put in more AML and put in more KYC. And then there are some customers who might feel a little trapped by that because they might have put some Bitcoin on that exchange and then or that service and then they put in more KYC and say, no, you can't take it out until we KYC you. Yeah, these cases are so not. It's it's happening actually already at the moment. So the the case with Huddle Huddle, <laughs> we won't be able if you will um, if if you will uh, start a trade on Huddle Huddle and you will put money on the escrow. Um, as Roma mentioned, we only we only have one key out of three. Uh, so even if we want, if you will. If you will discuss that and, and agree this and agree that you want to release coins in favor of your counterparty, then you will do that easily because your counterparty and you have two keys together. So if if we, if we want, we won't be able to do that. So we won't be able to freeze your funds. Uh, so, um, but yeah, but these cases are happening when, when companies are onboarding people and saying, we don't have any KYC ML and blah, blah, blah. And then at some point they, they will send you a letter that, you know, we, we need to check up on you. So please send me some information, please, uh, pass the verification and then you will be able to receive your coins or send your Bitcoins, um, to any other address. Yeah, right. And another thing that's interesting, I've noticed, I think your exchange supports Betch, the BEC32 addresses. And my understanding is that actually is a little bit easier than if someone wants to, say, buy Bitcoin on HODL HODL and then move that straight into Wasabi because there are other exchanges that don't support that kind of withdrawal address. So that's another benefit there for HODL HODL. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely, I noticed the Bitstamp doesn't. Uh, for example, although it claims to uh, to have uh, SegWit support, when I paste um, back 32 address, doesn't really work. Um, and in our case, yeah, it, it definitely works. So, and uh, because of that, transaction fees are also um, not as slightly high. lower, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think the last question on the exchange I wanted to ask you guys was: 
Bit of an open question. Can it be made simpler? <laughs> uh, of course it can. As we say, there's, there's no limit for perfection, you know. It's, it's not perfect. Uh, Your old boss used model. to say, I have just the guy for that. <laughs> yeah, so peer-to-peer uh, -peer exchanges in general are way more complicated than centralized exchanges. But that's, uh, that's basically, uh, well, it's a trade-off whether you want uh, better security and uh, less KYC ML or you want uh, better usability, less security and more KYC ML. So um, it's, it's a trade-off. Um, it's always a trade-off. Uh, but yeah, we are actually working constantly on uh, redesigning some things, on adding new features, on, um, you know, the drama mentioned that we, we, we have uh, a special guy who, who, is, who is creating a screencasts uh, on different topics, how to use HODL HODL, how to install Electrum Wallet. We have a, a huge uh, section of guides and helps, um, a lot of things. Also, we have a Bitcoin quiz where you can test your knowledge on, on the Bitcoin and on topics that, that goes around that. So, but yeah, in general, um, HODL HODL is not perfect and we, we think there is a long way to go to create a proper, you know, a proper peer-to-peer -peer exchange when um, even my grandmother would be able to go online and buy <laughs> some fraction of Bitcoin or hopefully she will be rich enough to buy a, a single Bitcoin, you know, <laughs> why not? Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I, yeah, I think I think uh, for the grandmother that that's just not going to happen. Uh, my personal opinion, though. Uh, but uh, certainly, like when you work on exchanges uh, on peer-to-peer -peer exchange, um, you um, as an engineer, I tend to sort of arrange everything correctly um, in my mind, right, uh, and and in code, but then when you realize how that actually works in terms of user interaction, uh, then you think, whoa, that's actually complicated. I, I shouldn't have done that. We, we, we can't actually simplify that. Um, so there are things like that we, that we can definitely improve. But as Max said, I think peer-to-peer -peer changes are inherently more complicated than um, regular, uh, traditional, centralized exchanges. So for some things there's just no way around the complexity yeah fair enough i yeah i think um it's an interesting question and i think everyone is trying to f figure out ways to try and make it easier to bring on the next wave of people and how to teach them but do it in the right way so that's these are things i think most bitcoiners are thinking about um but yeah look i think let's now turn to talking about baltic honey badger so tell us a little bit about this yeah, it will be third edition. Um, you will join us as well. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're listed as a speaker, and we, and we hope that you want, uh, you know, you want to refuse to come. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, you know, funny, funny thing. Last year we had few speakers that actually uh, were listed on the on the on on the web page, and they were announced. Uh, but they actually reached out themselves yeah and, and yeah and one of them reached out them 
by himself uh, like guys I want to be I want to to speak at your conference and we actually included him but then he refused to come well, no hard feelings I mean things happen we understand um, it's just that uh, it's always yeah, no, no 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 hard feelings but I won't invite him anymore to any <laughs> conference that I organize but in overall no hard feelings yes so um, about the honey badger third third year in a row uh, to be honest when we when we first started uh, thinking about uh, organizing this event um, I wasn't actually even thinking that it will be that big and the success of it will be that big and I'm not, not trying to to say that we are doing some, something extraordinary but I think we're doing a good job here and uh, uh, we were surprised after the first year how the people reacted to that because at that point everyone around was speaking about ICO. It was the end of 2017. All conferences that was filling, filled with ICO, altcoins, uh, all the blockchain hype. And we just thought, well, we need to create a proper Bitcoin conference that will be that will focus on Bitcoin. And... Um, yeah, in the long term, it appears that we had a, well, proper strategy. Yeah, look, Anna, you've got a really great speaker lineup. I mean, just looking on your website here, you've got you know people like Jimmy Song, Peter Todd, uh, Alex Bosworth, Tone Vase, Pierre Rashad, Jameson Lopp, Dr. Adam Back, you know, Giacomo will be there. Tell us a little bit about uh, who you're excited to see. Um, well, uh we we try to actually each year we try to um, invite we try to create something different uh, out of the previous years. So we don't we don't like when you know the same faces coming and and although we invite some we usually invite also some 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 same people, uh, but they are doing a bit different stuff that they are doing previously. So I'm actually excited to to see and to uh, see the presentation of Jimmy Song because I was um, I was speaking last year on uh, in Prague at, at, on the Hackers Congress and Jimmy was speaking there as well and he had a really amazing presentation on uh, not the technical part of the Bitcoin but more into social economical and and and, and um, basically how the Bitcoin will save us, something like that. But it was like amazing talk and um, I'm, I'm excited to see him. And uh, also, well, I don't know, maybe Roma can add who, 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 who is he excited for. Well, I, re I really like that, especially this year, we have a lot of new faces who are not necessarily very famous in the crypto community, but they definitely have made an impact. So we have guys from uh, BTC Pay Server and OpenNote, both are uh, payment processors. They're slightly different. OpenNote is kind of a you know centralized service, the uh, ser um, service that charges fees, uh, whereas BTC Pay is an open source project. But it, it's going to be a lot of fun to you know to have a panel um, and discuss uh, uh, payment processors and. You know, we have um, a Paxful founder. Um, we hope to see uh, some other exchanges. I, I can't really talk about it right now, but we hope to to have more exchange founders and um, 
executives uh, this year. Um, and, and just in general, it's really exciting to, to give an opportunity um, to speak to uh, people who are not necessarily famous, but who really, really uh, do important things in, in the community. And uh, uh, this year in, in that particular um, thing, it's just, just going to be great. Yeah, and uh, and we we are actually trying to get uh, Jack Dorsey second year in a row. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know that I, I know that yeah, I know that you were uh, happy enough to have him on 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 your podcast. So, um, Jack, I, I, it's like the last attempt maybe for us. <laughs> but if you're if you're listening this, please come to Honey Badger. You know, no, you will I enjoy think, it. So, so, so I, th- I think I, I sort of realize, I mean, uh, for Jack to, to come to a conference, it's just, it, it, there, there is a chance it's, it's going to be a shit show because, uh, you know, everybody's going to come to see Jack and, you know, everybody's going to come and, and pay attention to Jack and it's going to be awkward and weird. But maybe, maybe like if, uh, you know, if he listens to that, um, and, and decides to come. Maybe we can, you know, um, come up with a way in which uh, it's actually okay. I don't know. Um, it would be nice to have someone who um, who has a lot of influence um, outside of the Bitcoin community to uh, to speak about Bitcoin. But yeah, I mean, I totally understand why Jack would be reluctant to go to conferences like ours. <laughs> yeah, like Latvia is too far away from US. Maybe, maybe, maybe because of that. I don't know. Uh, and it's a bit cold in September out there. But in general, speaking about the honey badger, uh, if I may add, we are always trying to bring people. Uh, Rome already mentioned who are building stuff. Actually, uh, so yeah, he already mentioned BTC Pay server um, guys, Open Note, Wasabi Wallet. Adam will be there as well. So people who are Casa Hodel guys will be there. Um, we're always trying to to bring people who are actually doing something, not speaking on the conferences. You know, literally the faces that you see always, but doing something useful to promote Bitcoin and to to increase adoption, to create a proper infrastructure. And um, the second thing that we're focused, uh, we are trying to bring people from different sectors of Bitcoin economy, like VCs, OTC traders, developers, uh, CEOs of the companies, hardware wallet companies, um, software wallet companies, whatever, name it. So we are trying to to, to, to do the, what we are trying to achieve with Honey Badger, that there will that there are participants from different sectors of Bitcoin ecosystem, that it it will be interesting for anyone, uh, whether you are a developer, whether you are a broker, or whether you are journalist, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, fascinating. And now, can you just tell us a little bit about what is the typical audience and who should come? Well, uh, usually we see a lot of people, um, we see a lot of technical people out there, uh, but uh, last year there was also a lot of business developers and people, and actually amount of people who are just willing to learn something new or willing to learn about the Bitcoin also increased. So in general, I think that the, 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 there's a, like 70, 60, 70% of people coming to Honey Badger are technical people, developers, coders. 
um, hackers as well. And uh, 40, 30% are business developers, traders, and uh, journalists. Well, we definitely have a very loyal um, customer base. I mean, we have a Telegram channel uh, where everybody hangs out. And, you know, as soon as we launched sales this year, um, you know, the, the early bird tickets were sold in, uh, in a couple of days, maybe even in a day, I don't remember. Um, so there are definitely people who, who love the conference just for what it is, and um, they, they, they would come this year and next year. Um, and uh, there's definitely a very, very loyal user base. I'm, I'm not sure whether uh, they're all um, engineers, probably not. Um, but it's it's just really exciting to to see people being excited about the conference. And there's uh, actually a very important part about Honey Badger that there's a lot of networking happening uh, during the conference and around the conference. So and it's not like everybody's pitching their own project to, to yeah, them, just right? people just meeting each other, you know, discussing interesting topics. Um, like I haven't I haven't had a single person. Um, come up to me and, and try to pitch something. I had that at other conferences and I haven't heard that anybody pitched anything like that to anybody else. So I, I yeah, think maybe because achievement. you are, sometimes you're not, you're not, uh, you know, you're not staying for the whole day, but I, I yeah. saw that, I heard that okay. on Honey Badger, yeah. but uh, cool. overall, yeah, overall it's, it's, we're trying to make it like non-commercial event where you go, and you don't see that people are pitching their project from the stage and you paid money for that. So well, let's um, put it this way, it happens to you then, okay? <laughs> yeah, it happens to me. Uh, all the bad stuff happens to me usually. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, we're trying to make it like, we're trying to make Honey Badger educational and networking event. And I know that some people are actually coming to Riga not because they want to listen to 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 presentations or or listen to panels uh which are amazing by the way but they're coming because of the spirit because they want to hang out with people who are as much as they're fascinated with bitcoin and they're just wanting to have a good time you know yeah i mean look personally i really regretted not coming last year i thought about it um but i just i couldn't make it work and you know just it was difficult but i'm very happy that i'm coming this year and hopefully i'll get to either you know maybe host a panel or whatever but i'll get to participate in some way and get to meet a lot of you know the faces and people who i've seen on bitcoin twitter but i just haven't actually met in person yet so really excited for that personally um, so t- tell us some of the just some of the logistical details. When is it? It's in uh, September, and um, you know just some of the yeah you know, some of those details on where people can go to sign up and find it. Uh, it's fourteen. Well, we have a website bh2019.hodlhodl.com. Um, you can go there. You can um, check BH out. BH stands for Baltic Honey Badger, so it's BH2019. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you you can check out the speakers. Uh, some of the speakers are not announced yet, so we have some big names also coming in as well. And um, you can go and buy ticket for Honey Badger uh, on the website. Uh, at the moment, we only sell tickets for Bitcoin. Uh, in the end of the March, you will, we will have an uh, we will add an opportunity to buy with uh, fiat, 
so with payment cards or um, something like that. Um, about the logistics, well, uh, the conference days will be 14, 15 September, uh, Riga, Latvia. Um, Riga is a small city, so there, there's no need to, 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 to say something special about the logistics. Just, you just fly in, take a cab, and in 15 minutes you are in the city center. That's it. And um, so the premises of the conference is um, actually 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes walk from the city center. Uh, so you don't even have to take a, a cab, it doesn't matter, you can just walk. Yeah, you can just walk, especially if the weather is good. Uh, so you can just walk. Uh, but if you want to have a, if you want to take a cab from the city center to premises, it will take like five minutes and it will cost you like five euros, something like that. So it's quite cheap and fast. So okay, that's great. There's no problem with that. Yeah, we also. Uh, I wanted to specify. We also will have. Uh, last year we 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 tested this idea. This year we will have. Um, we will have uh, like food court on the street in front of the conference on the backyard. Actually, uh, we will have a great after party also um, on the backyard, and we will have two buildings. Uh, one building will be where the, all the main stuff happening. The second building will be used for meetings and maybe some chill out and something like that. So. Yeah, it will be. I hope that the weather will be nice and everyone will will be able to enjoy this. All right. Look. So looks. What looks like we're coming to time on the time allocated. Maybe you just want to give us a, a last uh, few closing thoughts on what um what why people should consider you know using Hodl Hodl to buy Bitcoin with or sell Bitcoin with. So to to sum it up, I think lower fees, non-custodial, which means we doesn't we we don't hold uh, the bitcoins, um, and uh, that in turn means that if even if we're hacked in some way, uh, the bitcoins are going to be safe. And um, so lower fees, non-custodial, no KYC ML, those are the major reasons to use Hodl Hodl, um, and of course the new prediction market is coming very soon and uh there's nothing like it as far as i can tell on the market so i i hope it's going to be exciting for many many people to try it out fantastic and can you guys just tell the listeners where they can follow you and where they can find hodl hodl obviously uh we're quite active in twitter of course so in twitter it's simple at hodl hodl uh, and uh, my personal Twitter account is Kaden M, uh, and Romans is uh, Roman Snitko, as far as I yeah, correct remember. at Roman Snitko. Excellent. Well, I'll put the links yeah, in the Roman. show notes. Um, but it's always nice to just read it out for the listeners as well. So, all right. Well, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. So, thank you very much for coming on the show, Max and Roman. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having us. Thanks. Thanks a lot, and um, see you in Riga. So do consider getting a ticket to Baltic Honey Badger. I think it'll be an awesome time in September this year. It's really one of the memorable conferences of the Bitcoin calendar year, and it really gets a good crowd with a real community feel rather than the ICO, altcoin, and blockchain shillfests. Also, just as a quick community announcement, you should also check out the Boltathon, which is the world's first virtual Lightning Network conference and hackathon. So hackers, sign up and build and vote on your favorite projects for a chance to win some 
BTC. And if you're not a dev, not to worry, you can still participate by attending the online sessions featuring previous podcast guests such as Rusty Russell and Pierre Richard. There'll also be other speakers such as Alex Bosworth, Lightning Koala and Rockstar Dev. This will be held on April 5th through to the 7th and all the payments will be received through Lightning Bitcoin. And because it's online, it's super cheap. It's something like $10 US worth of Bitcoin. So come check out the Lightning Revolution at boltathon.com. So there you go, guys. Get amongst it. Get more involved in the Bitcoin and Lightning community by attending Boltathon and Baltic Honey Badger. As usual, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. Show notes are on my website, stefanlevera.com. Thanks, guys. See you next time.